0: out of safari
1: uh i would go there's no yeah it's straight out of safari yeah i would say there's nothing that like uses my context for sure in perfect. a lot of the stuff
0: cool awesome Everything sounding good bud yeah do you want to uh on his camera really quick just kind of put it a little bit further down yeah just a little bit just a hair All right, tell
1: me when
0: stop perfect is it I think you have to it's a little blurry it just did that on its own will you tap on um, the screen of where he is on the screen there we go yeah much better does that look okay or does it need to go lower still no that's good ok perfect, perfect everything sounds good okay so the way that this works the audio is all going into the main. If you are making a point mm-hmm. or expressing, avoid hitting or tapping or hitting the mic okay. or anything like that. It'll mm-hmm. just go into the reverb. Uh, the level right here in front of you that impacts your audio only. So if you want it louder, you can turn it up. If you want it lower, just entirely up to you. So okay. that doesn't really do anything. Uh, if you do cough, <laughs> the button doesn't actually work. So don't cough into the mic. <laughs> cough away from <laughs> the mic. Uh, yeah, okay. exactly. Yeah, yeah. We had. We had somebody one time like they just hit the button and then they cough right into it. And like, oh shoot! And I'm like, I forgot to tell you, my it's, ears. It's not wired that yeah. way. All right. Other than that, buddy, we ready to go? Yes, we are. Okay. So what we'll do is we'll go through the whole episode mm-hmm. and then at the very end I'll do an intro based on what it is we talked about, kind of just cool. while the episode was going. Yeah. How you doing, buddy?
1: I'm great. Thank you.
0: Yeah, man. I'm so happy we can make this happen. Made made it out to AZ, and you're in Fresno. is that Yeah. Right?
1: Yeah, Central Valley. So if you look at California. Just dead center, dead center.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I had uh, one of my good buddies in college. He was from Fresno. As well, oh, okay, so would Go cool. out there every once in a while. Yeah, yes, but yeah, you definitely found a way to occupy occupy your time while you're <laughs> while you're out there. Indeed. What in the world got you so fascinated with? I mean, okay, we're gonna talk about a lot of stuff, but. Medieval warfare, weaponry. How did you even get into a topic such as that?
1: So for the archery, initially, I started it in junior high. Uh, there was one time I got sick for like a week and I just read Lord of the Rings the whole way through. Yes. Right? <laughs> and so that just kind of started that that fascination with the fantasy aspect of it. Yeah, And then once I got more into the archery, uh, the, just diving into historical archery, I read about the Welsh and English longbowmen and the the amount that the weight of the bow that they pulled right 150 plus pounds this just immense amount and how it's 100 you know 150 pounds more than most people do nowadays so to speak so it became a bit of a physical like challenge to myself if i could match what people of old did many years ago Mm -hmm. that people don't do nowadays and so i just started working towards that goal trying to climb up to see if i could match what Basically, ancient people could do. Mm -hmm. And then from that same thing, it just kind of became this fascination with a lot of different ranged weapons. Yeah. Like a sling, you know, learning about slingers, the Balearic slingers, the speed at which they could throw, the distance they could throw, just with a rope and a rock, you know, just see if you could match it. So a lot of it came and is still coming from the idea of wanting to try and match what people used to do to see if I can do it. Just kind of like a challenge to. A challenge from the ancients, let's yeah. say, right? And so that's where you're,
0: that... You're a very physically fit person. How old are you? 38. 38. So yeah. you would be, I mean, military age, especially back then. Yeah. If we're talking back like the English bowman. Yes. You would have been a career soldier into your mid-30s, most likely.
1: Right, right. Yeah. I I mean, if the you live that are By that point, hopefully, or something. Yeah, uh-huh. Yeah
0: so it it is it is a very cool comparison to take what it is you're you know you're at your peak physical condition today and see if you can do the stuff that people used to do how long ago are we talking i mean when was the english longbow first really i mean it was
1: in its heyday in like the 13th century a Mm. lot of times and then you know in Ashencore 1415 that was another point where it was very prominent so 13th to like 15th century it was in its in its prime and then um, once then, you know, you, you started to run into the problem of logistics where you would have to get a good longbowman. They had to start from youth. And so you have wars and you don't get to replenish that skill mm-hmm. that takes a lifetime to be able to do. You start to lose that, and then you start to go for more efficient things. Gunpowder, crossbows. They take way less time to train, and they can still be just as deadly. Not quite in the same capacity. Reload speed slower. Mm-hmm. Range is a little less for the for the early firearms, at least. But you could basically take a gun and pass it to someone else, and they could be just as deadly. Whereas a bow, you hand that to someone else, and it's useless in their hands. Crossbows
0: were used in the Battle of Action court at the same time when the longbow was being used right. in warfare. Yes? yes. The longbow had superiority as far as range. What, so, what
1: did it have that made it so special? The rate of fire was the first thing. You know, a crossbow, you know, for, for every bolt they shot, it was probably, you know, 30, 45 seconds, maybe a minute, depending on the kind they were using. Because you had to crank it or, yeah, or pull it, it. Yeah, it depends. Exactly, yeah. So that was a delay. So you when know, a longbow is 10 to 12 minutes, a, a, like a, a crank crossbow could most likely outrange a longbow, but not by a Substantial amount. The other thing is that um weather conditions played a huge part. Um the longbow, if or any sort of stringed weapon, if the string gets wet, it loses its ability and range dramatically. So with a crossbow, you can't necessarily unstring it in the same way. The mm-hmm. archers, when the rain would come, they would take off the string, put it in their hat or their helmet, and put it down to keep it dry. Really? So you have yeah, so then you have a dry bowstring. But with the crossbow, when it gets wet or moist, it's going to lose most of its range. And the longbowman can just take it out, string it up, and then take those shots and have the same same power, same distance, same speed.
0: What type of... Uh time are we talking to string a longbow? Oh, it
1: takes, yeah, ten, five seconds. Five seconds. Yeah, yeah, just pop pop it up.
0: And you would, correct me if I'm wrong, if if I'm positioning my army for battle, like, Mm -hmm. again, using the Battle of Agincourt as an example, you would always take your archers and put them in the back,
1: yes? Well, they would generally, uh, a lot of times, you'd have them in the front, and the men-at-arms would be behind them, and then as the enemies came closer, they would go back by the lines, because you want them out front a little bit. They'd have archer's stakes a lot of time, where they would just have the stakes in the ground right you would just kind of sharpen a stake put it down and they would fire and then they could retreat back behind the lines as time went on because you want that extra distance because if you're talking about the distance like you know we're saying maybe 300 yards something like that mm-hmm. to be behind the behind the uh, the men at arms you're going to lose maybe 50 yards because mm-hmm. that line's gonna be pretty deep but if you have them out front you're going to be able to start lobbing those a lot sooner before the engagement begins and then they can go back but you don't want them alone out there they're gonna generally take time and move as you, um, as as the battle progresses, the the man at arms, and they'll take a, a shift
0: because your your archers are not weighed down with heavy armor.
1: Well, th- they do still have armor, and that's I think that's one of the things that's a misconception is there's only in, in a battle they would have like um, a shape, um, uh, what's the word? Their uh, their quiver. It's not called a quiver; it's called something else. But they have a bag and air, a bag of arrows, basically sure. twenty four in a bag. Um, Usually during a course of battle, they would probably go between 60 to 72 arrows. That's like the highest amount. But at that point, you know, you're going to extinguish your arrows sooner or later and battles sometimes take a longer time. So archers engaged in the melee frequently in Agincourt. They were in the melee. They were an integral part of that melee as well so they were also trained as warriors the The bow was obviously their key thing but they weren't just archers so once the, the arrows were gone they were expected to fight as well against the other side mm-hmm. so they did still have chainmail uh, a lot of times they'd have a, a gambeson padded gambeson as well so they would be armored in a capacity have like a little kettle helm so that was something that they did do because they would be expected to help participate in the actual melee yes, in the yes. fight hand to hand. Yes.
0: So what would I? I've always been fascinated, and, and I'm really kind of nerding out here with you. But I've always been fascinated in the t- in the period of transition from bow to hand to hand. And again, you referenced Lord of the Rings, so I'll use it as a fantasy uh, example. One of my favorite things that in those films that Legolas would ever do uh, was. Switching to his knives. He, he would oh, okay. he would sling in, yeah. in, a, in the most unrealistic way yeah. possible. He would sling his bow, take out the knives, kill an opponent that was within five feet of right. him, then put them back, take his bow out, and fire again. Yes. He would also fire at a range from, like, me to
1: you. Right, right.
0: At what point, in a realistic way, would an archer just discontinue his bow and just start with a sword or an axe?
1: I mean, I think that it's... Oof, um. I mean, I would imagine it would be probably... They wouldn't be expected to to absorb the first cavalry charge. So generally, it would be after they've removed themselves, then they could go back into it and engage because they're not really prepped with spears to help with that. If a charge is coming, they're not going to be a great defense because they're going to get pretty scattered. Mm -hmm. So I would say that they would probably retreat back, abandon the bows, then go into the battle at that point. And you don't want to wait until they're dead on you, right? I would say probably... 25 yards you know that's probably getting pretty close to where you'd want to start right removing yourself from that situation if it's an actual charge or that there's an opposing force coming if they're walking you could probably get to 10 yards you know and still pepper them and that's going to slow them down a lot right and that's what i think they did you ever see the king i did yes I'm sure um, you
0: did what'd you think of it did you like
1: it I did, yeah. I yeah. liked it. Huh? I I, I I enjoyed it.
0: I, I to this day, I don't think I've seen a better depiction of the Battle of Agincourt than yeah. what they showed in that. Yeah,
1: they did a good job with it. They did a good job too with uh, with the with the grappling aspect of of being in armor, um, because mm-hmm. I think that's one thing that a lot of people, you know, it's it's uh it's kind of glamorized with the spins and the twirls, and it's like always at at distance, mm-hmm. but in reality, like it's it's just like when when Royce Gracie came to MMA, it's like you realize you wrap up super quick. Mm-hmm. And so if there's two guys swinging an object, that's not going to punch through what they're hitting. They're going to engage and entangle fast. Yeah. And it showed a bit of that. And like the grittiness of you're going to get something through the shoulder joint, through the eye, through a small the, dagger. Yeah, was almost that's,
0: optimal over the long sword, right?
1: Because the long sword. Yeah, exactly. A long sword is like a knight's weapon. Uh, and it's, 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 you know, got so much lore around it and history attached mm-hmm. to it, but really like the, the better weapons were the, the blunt, you know the blunt the maces the war hammers call it can opener you know there's a lot of things out there pole axes that can cause damage to someone even if it doesn't go through it and the long right. swords and make bink, bink, you know it's yeah like,
0: because if i slash you with a long sword right. and you're wearing both chain mail and heavy armor yeah. unless i hit it in the joint yeah i'm probably not going to even tear flesh
1: yeah and a lot of the if you look at any of the, the historical drawings and stuff a lot of the long sword stuff they'd be holding it more in like, this, yeah. So yeah. it was like a, it was like a quick point or dag, looking for the small spots and things. Mm-hmm. It was like the over the big swings aren't going to do much with a sword against someone mm-hmm. in armor.
0: Yeah, where would it be optimal then for a broadsword to be used? What what kind of combat are we talking? about? I
1: mean, it's a lot of it's tournament combat, right? that's What I was thinking, it's yeah. like a lot of it is going to be the tournament. Some some knights would kings, you know, royalty would have it because it was like a symbol of wealth because it was expensive to make. It was so hard to make. But you know, spears would be optimal over sword in that situation easily. Oh, easily. Um, and so I would say that most of it came from from the tournament play and, and like the grace of it and and the time to learn it and the skill of it. Yeah, and and when knights would duel, do you ever see uh, the last duel with Matt,
0: uh, Matt Damon? That and... I didn't see actually. Ooh, no, I need to see it. Yeah, I heard a that good was good. One. Yeah, it's an interesting film. It's filmed. I've never seen a film quite like this. The entire, I'm not going to give anything away for you, but but the entire story is around the. Uh, a disgrace of this night's wife by right. another night mm-hmm. they tell the story three times in a row from all three of their different perspectives mm-hmm. and then at the end it culminates with the big the okay. last all duel right. where they yeah. fight yeah just the duel uh-huh. but, uh, with matt damon and um um help me out here eli do you remember the other actor's name ben affleck and uh, ben affleck is the lord the other night he's oh, got dark uh, it's, hair it's, it's kylo Ryan, ren right yeah. 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 Yes. Adam yeah adam driver yeah 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 Adam Driver steals the show, okay. by the he's way. Great. He's, he's great. An amaz- he's such a good actor. But that last duel... He's a duel, big dude,
1: too. He's like 6'3", six, 6'4". Six, mm-hmm. like, he's an imposing presence. Yeah. yeah.
0: Oh, and when they show them how they... Because yeah. they, they basically start horseback yeah. and knock each other... Until someone falls, yeah. and then they go sword... And then they, they usually they, they break, like both their swords break right, while right. in combat. And then, like you said... They grapple. They yeah. get hand-to-hand, and yeah. it's all about who can strangle the other person in right. armor.
1: yeah yeah. It's just gr- a <laughs> terrible way to go this. Ugh. Ugh. Yeah, exactly. I,
0: I think that also there's a certain level of, uh, I think probably all warfare gets romanticized a bit in our minds yeah. as civilians. Uh-huh. But especially from that era, we, we see things like Lord of the Rings or mm-hmm. what we see in movies, and we're like, ah, that
1: is cool. Yeah. I think it would be truly terrifying oh no no, yeah and if you watch even like imagine like when they had like the pikes the, the long 20 foot spears mm-hmm. uh they're walking towards each other right and at that point they didn't have a shield and you probably just had like a cuirass or the right way to say cuirass i'm not sure but um they're walking towards each other and then they just start spinning it around and trying to like poke it through but they have to keep Going forward, so you're literally behind you. You're literally like walking into a wall of spears, and you're trying to like deflect the ones away from you. It's, uh, yeah, oh, yeah. What a what
0: a tr- what a tough way to resolve conflict. I know, I and know. and that's the thing too. Back then, you didn't even have diplomacy. Right. You didn't have like almost any governmental structure or or, or regulation at all. Mm-hmm. Everybody solved everything with a stick. Yeah, it's like you have a problem with your neighbor, grab a stick, go over there and kill him. Or it's just it's an interesting and odd. The history of warfare, of weaponry, right? and even if you went, I think even now, again, my history on this is Genghis Khan, his emperor, mm. his empire would have been before the Battle of Agincourt or after? No, was, I,
1: I believe it was before, yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm.
0: I believe so. They had an interesting, I did my own little deep dive on archery as uh. well. Are you familiar with the Mongol yes. use of the bow and arrow? Uh-huh. Can you go into that a little bit? Because I think it's just it's so cool.
1: Oh, well, I mean, I'm not as familiar with it. But I know like the the, the Mongols and, and the Turkish bows and those type of recurve bows were composite bows. So the longbow is a self-bow, which means it's made of one type of wood, mm-hmm. generally the yew tree. And you can have laminate bows where you have ipe and bamboo and different things. Yeah. But the composite bows are generally going to be made of different materials, sinew, horse sinew, bone, mm-hmm. things like that. And they're much more efficient than the longbow. So if you get, let's say, a 100-pound longbow versus a 100-pound Mongolian bow, bow the, that composite bow is going to outrange outspeed, and out distance. Mm-hmm. The longbow, additionally, like the grams, you need uh, the grains per arrow for a bow. Like for a longbow, it's generally 10 to 15 grains per um, per pound of draw weight. So yeah. that's why you need that thick, thick, heavy shafted arrow. Because if you don't have that, it's going to be like, it's going to damage the bow. It's like dry firing where the composite bows, you can have usually seven grains per pound. So it can be a lighter bow. Mm-hmm. So you're going to have that increased smaller velocity. too, right? Yeah. The well, Mongolian the, recurves they're, they're were short, super were shorter, short. Shorter, shorter. And it's so it's the same. It's this more powerful package in a smaller thing. you can do it from horseback, you know, and being able to do that from horseback is, is insane. And they would have the different dra- draws where they had, you know, a few in the hands yeah. and they could quickly fire those off. And yes. from horseback, it's just an entire, like, That's just a culmination of two art forms, that is is insanely impressive. You know,
0: they also implemented a technique. I I, I'm remembering it as the false retreat. The Mongols would, where they would from horseback, Mm. they would charge at their opponent. The opponents would charge back. Then the Mongols would systematically rout them, Mm. turn around, and retreat turn around and fire going mm-hmm. backwards right. and destroy the enemy as it's continuing to pursue him because the enemy thinks, oh, we got him on the run. We're going to kill yeah. him easily. Yeah, It's 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 just fascinating that at one point in time that was the pinnacle of right. technology that we'd made.
1: Yeah, and there, I think there was some instances where they did run into what we would consider European-type knights, I think, in Russia and things. And and they, they completely destroyed them because you'd have the heavy-plated knights that were just there to charge. So they would charge and then they mongols would fire and retreat, fire and treat and they would exhaust them entirely and then once the exhaust then they, you know the soldiers were exhausted then they did have heavy cavalry that would come in and engage in a charge in a melee but mm-hmm. it was just far superior mobility and yeah. tactics where they could literally you you couldn't you couldn't engage with them in, the mongols yes yeah, yes uh-huh.
0: yeah it was tough that's that's the point that the article i read was saying is mm. that it was it was entirely more difficult just to get into combat with the Mongols you would never you would often not even reach them
1: right you would right. think you would yeah.
0: but by the time you did they would usually have disseminated your army yeah. to such a point that by the time you do reach them well now it's no longer fair right
1: now right. they
0: will win if they get hand to hand combat mm-hmm. you brought some weapons with you like I did. let's uh, let's let's see a couple I all want right, to see all it. Right. I'm fascinated
1: so we'll far, start off sorry we'll start off with the simplest one this is just a Balearic sling so the Balearic Islands are in Spain And there were slingers that were around during the early periods, in the Roman periods, Carthaginians. They were used as mercenaries. And it's made out of jute twine, and it's just woven together. This is a 54-strand cord. And it's got a split pouch in the back, so a split pouch opens up. There's some with a hammock, and then some with a split pouch. Generally with these, they would have a football-shaped projectile. It was made out of clay sometimes, or smooth rock. And then the Romans would use lead, and that was a lot heavier duty. Um, and it literally is just the way you're going to operate it is you're going to stick a finger through one loop and you're going to clasp the other loop here, just like that. Okay. So you're going to hold it here. And then when it spins around, once you get to the point of release, you're going to open up and this is going to pop open. And that momentum from that projectile is going to fling that thing out. And so those slingers they could show, i mean it was it was estimated and even slingers nowadays they can get up to 100 you know 130 150 miles an hour um, with a dense lead projectile and accurately yes and accurately yeah. so the the range of it so they had they would carry three different slings usually mm-hmm. they would have different varying lengths so they usually have one on their head one around their waist and one in their hand the longer the sling the longer the range less accuracy but you can lob it further right. they were they were showing they, they could say anywhere from three to four hundred yards so at that time they could out distance most bows of the time <laughs> um and they would even have what's called a staff sling where you could have um a sling attached to a um a a stick and so they spin that around and launch that mm-hmm. um and they were, they were devastating. They would train, you know, as with a lot of cultures at the time, they trained from youth. There's stories, you know, that the, the kids weren't allowed to eat their meal until, like, they, they put bread on, on a stick. And it's like, before you eat it, you have to hit it with a stone, right? <laughs> and so it's just that idea of people who were trained from birth the like cultures that revolved around mm-hmm. a weapon where it's like a level of skill that is unless someone does that now it's just not attainable you know i don't yeah. think I'll, I'll, I'll never get to that level even if i started later in life because it's something that is an integral part of who you are every movement you do is just going to be naturally in that in and that for those realm. who
0: haven't can you pull up on his instagram bud a video of him doing the sling because it's it's really impressive where where would we look Uh, um you
1: you can look i I mean there's some talking but the one right Right there there. um Uh, it's like over the right yeah
0: yes this yes look how accurate now what are you hitting there what's on top? that was just
1: a clay plot right there um and so yeah that that's just me and and my son and so it just this kind of goes over the history a little bit so this is less action of me using it um per se um but let me i s- love your channel so much oh thanks man i, I, I learned so
0: much from it I, seriously it's like it's like watching yeah. a history lesson every day on the channel right it's that is devastating that is so intimidating the problem about it as well i don't even think you would see it coming
1: It's no so no, fast. no yeah and yeah it's it's i mean it's just it's faster than a you know an mlb pitcher right and it's a dense projectile moving so quickly. Now, are
0: you throwing stones there? or are you Yeah, that's just, the,
1: that's just River Rock. Just River Rock. Yeah, I just go to Lowe's and buy a big bag of River Rock.
0: I mean, we everybody knows the story of David and Goliath. Right, and, right. And yeah, I, I think sometimes stories in the Bible can get mixed up with other stories that yeah. seem a little bit more shall we say, unrealistic, like, you know, knowing the flood of the whole earth. Sure. You hear the story of David and Goliath. He fought this Philistine who was supposedly nine feet tall. Right. Killed him with one stone. Yeah. Hit him right between the eyes and killed him. That makes me think that that actually
1: might be realistic. If you want to keep scrolling down. Sorry. um, I do one with the ballistic dummy. Keep going. Um, Where you hit the dummy? Yes. I hit a ballistic dummy in the head. So, um, So go a little further. Um, this oh so if you go, go, to, go to that one sure that's just that's that's got a lot of the content with that
0: boom 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 wow oh my goodness so the, the ballistic dump, oh oh my goodness you can see though if you were wearing that armor
1: yeah that would still it would
0: still it would break every bone in your right. body your ribs would be mush if that thing hit you right so yeah the stone is about the size of a, of a well baseball. those are
1: those are much yeah those are much bigger so um, go yeah and then we'll go about go up sorry it's just for the the dummy one sorry uh no 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 that's just warhammer (laughs) some different stuff so keep going (laughs) back um the the one right there is uh the one in front of the shield so this one yeah go to that one there yeah so this one here so it's just kind of going over the sling and then in this one you i go to the super slow-mo So you can see the first shot and then you can see the second shot. And then when it goes really slow-mo, you can see that it just literally sinks the whole skull, the entire thing. And then when it goes up to it, you can see that it basically went, the break went from like the orbital bone all the way to the back, almost to the very back of the skull. It broke all the way to the ear. And that was just done. Yeah. I mean, even if you don't die outright, like there's nothing that the amount of fracture and bone particle, like there's nothing you can do to that.
0: That's the impact of, I mean, certainly a small to medium sized caliber pistol. Yeah. Getting hit with that rock in the head. Yeah. You'd you'd die probably instantly. You'd probably be dead immediately.
1: (laughs) Yeah. It would not be good.
0: (laughs) What? Where exactly was this most used? The sling, I don't think I a mean, lot of people are as familiar they
1: with. They aren't, but it was prevalent in almost every major culture for a long period of time. And it's just it was kind of by the wayside. It's just not I think for a lot of people it's not like a a sexy weapon. It's mm-hmm. not like a bow or a sword. It doesn't have that same, you know, that same draw to it. But there's a lot of places and since doing like some sling stuff on the channel, mm-hmm. I've I've had a lot of people who are still in cultures that are embroiled in that as a tradition like a lot of the Middle Eastern countries as well they still practice that and so a lot of them reach out and it's like oh you know that's it's great to see this they still practice stuff like that around the Balearic Islands they have competitions in Spain all the time um would they ever use this for hunting yeah for yeah, sure you oh, yeah you would use a sling and a rock oh, to, dude, hunt, to yeah, kill I mean, your game yeah you definitely could and again that's not something I can do I've been doing it for a while but like that level of skill to not miss you know and did it once is just is especially if something's moving or you like or there's the surrounding debris Mm -hmm. right you have to be cognizant of of if there's a tree there or if there's forestry like you have to really know and there's different techniques there's an underhand overhand you know different ways to do it yeah uh, to try and get that maximum speed there's some other guys out there who do crazy stuff will spin around and get extra momentum and all that stuff
0: have you ever seen? He's a YouTuber and he's a world famous hunting guide, and he hunts with a spear. Mm. You ever seen that guy? Uh,
1: man, I don't think so. I'm
0: blanking on the guy's name. You don't happen to know that? Let me let me see if I can just pop. if he if he pops right up. He probably will. Uh, let me let me see if this just pops right up. It's like a spear in that man, man hunting like. bear with a spear. It's it, it. His video went insane when when he did this because mm. he's he's hunting grizzly. He kills grizzly bear with a spear, and he does this like, like very routinely. Uh, Josh Bomar, that's his name. Okay. Like, you see his name, Josh Bomar. Uh, B O W M A R. Yes. Oh yeah. You have gotta check out his channel. Okay. So he's a he's a fitness guy, uh-huh. but he's he's an avid hunter, and he's okay. done it for years. And he like he does primarily archery, but he he honestly got a lot of criticism for doing this, but he hid in a blind, uh-huh. he, was in a, he was in a in a ground blind, and he had been on this bear for months, yeah. apparently, and he knew where it was and where it was gonna be. He waited until it was like eight yards away, and he had created this Tactical spear that he'd practiced with for like a year and he um, waited it and he got it he got it broadside right in the vitals and he took it down with a spear wow it, i i the criticism he got some of which seemed a little justified people were wondering did you know that this would even work right like what happens if you did yeah. that and that bear right. didn't at all die yeah like because uh, that seems like a really good way to make a bear angry
1: <laughs> i mean i would not do it myself I, I i like my life <laughs> but you but
0: you do practice with a spear quite a lot as well
1: yeah i do spear stuff and but again that's something where that's that's again one of those things where i can practice it as as a layman and do the best i can and, and watch and see how how people throw and do it but like to get that real distance and that real speed is just that difference to that level between an amateur and a professional you know mm-hmm. like you got to think of that's like it's like think of it like you're like your eight-on-eight, you know, flag football team versus a pro (laughs) athlete, right? In in that sense where it's like you can be fit, you can be strong, you can train with it, but there's a level of discipline that comes from a life of being trained in something that I just don't think I'll ever match. And so that's where that drive comes in to see how close I could possibly get or what it would look like if someone trained for a long time with a particular type of of weapon in the past there's
0: also so many different it seems like there's so many different styles and tenets of each individual weapon's usage like like a spear i mean someone may be really proficient at throwing it but then there's also like you said in a combat situation you would have to teach them how to hold on to it and use it right how to properly yeah figure out the angles and Mm -hmm. all that type of stuff so that that's a tricky one
1: yeah i mean it's it's easy like the thing is that the spear was great because you could Arm people quickly, and it's like poke it poke right. It, but yeah. then there's levels to it where you think of like um, the Macedonians or people that were specialized in training with that in the Greek city states, where it's like there was a very specific way in which they would function with as a unit, you know, to to make it work. And that's where that's, that the phalanx? Phalanx, and yeah, that's the phalanx, phalanx, yeah, 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 phalanx, fingers, phalanges, I guess. Uh-huh but yeah that was the that was the, the greek phalanx so they would use that and then the macedonians use the phalanx as well it was not very um it couldn't adapt well um as far as if if because the spears were, were long especially if they had to come up it was like a big problem and that's what you know it was it was uh, capitalized on by the romans who had you know auxiliary units and, and uh, range units as well so it mm-hmm. was it was a slow moving um it was a slow moving um just wrecking ball but it couldn't adapt quickly.
0: What was it about the Romans that made them such efficient warriors? What, what was it? That, did they have a strategy or a, or a technology that everyone else didn't have?
1: I think there's a quote, um, there's a quote, uh, and I think it goes back to the professionalism of something, and it's, uh, uh, it, I, uh, what was his name? I forget, but the uh, historian, he said, um, it's it would not be wrong to call the Roman drills bloodless battles and to call the battles sanguine exercises basically meaning that literally they would drill battles and formations so frequently that it was just that cohesive unit that made it work so well and they would have they would be stacked up and they would have that front line and then they would rotate you know they had that 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 chain and the rotation of the where the person would work from the back to the front and Mm -hmm. they would be fresh from the back to the front and so it was really just the machine of as it. As opposed
0: to other ways of like shield wall where it's like, okay, the front line just stays there until the front line dies. And right. And then the next line comes right. up. Right, right. You and save your men yeah, by doing and it that way.
1: I think that's the biggest thing is, is the drills. It was like a professional army. Like the Greek city-states did pretty well with professional armies and a lot of other empires did as well. Sparta, that yeah. type of thing. But the Romans just did it in a better way and they were extremely adaptable. They would take different... Weapons like the helm they had, like the 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 flared out, I forget what it's called. But they, they adopted that from like some Germanic tribes who had that configuration. The spatha was a Spanish a Spanish sword. You know, they took that into their cavalry. Mm. Uh, they would also make a lot of good auxiliaries. So they didn't. They had slingers, but they would also be like, hey, you know, you guys do it better than us. We're gonna conquer you, <laughs> and then <laughs> and then get you in our army. You know, cavalry. They would bring the best. You know, um, Numidian cavalry, things like that. So they would really. Bring in all these different strengths From through the different their empire, yeah, exactly, empire. Yeah. and would utilize them and their abilities um, to to help further the empire. So it was kind of like re-
0: Alexander the Great did.
1: Yeah, 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 kind of like that, or just yeah, just or like the Borg, <laughs> just like assimilate, and you know, and what's the what's the Borg? Oh, so that was Star Trek reference. I'm sorry. Oh, yeah. I'm, sorry. <laughs> I'm thinking like, man, no, my history no, must be. No, right. no. I don't know the Borg. <laughs> yeah, sorry, I switched nerd gears there, but yeah, it's just that idea of um of the the formation, the drills, and then you fill in those gaps where you don't have the skill with people who have it.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it is just truly impressive to think that such a small little region of uh, Italy at the time mm-hmm. was able to conquer the known world. Yeah. I mean everywhere. All the Germanic tribes, every mm. I mean the Roman Empire and how how long did the Roman Empire last? Like, I
1: think 427 was when it fell, something like that. Gotcha. Yeah. So they had a, a run of how long? Uh, I think it was um 500 years somewhere around there. I think yeah, a little in that 500 years. I think in that a little less than 500, I think. And we, I mean, if we
0: started in 1776, where are we at? I'm trying to think. In terms of the United States. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we're not at 500, but yeah. I think we're, what, two, 300? Something like that?
1: I think, two, right, three, I think we're yeah. around, yeah.
0: It's, I mean, there's a lot we can learn from that particular history, and I think the Roman Empire is a really good template on what happens if you never really get beaten.
1: Yeah, right? and I yeah, just, I think the, um, I think it, it kind of speaks to the, Um, The complacency of achieving a goal and then having to maintain that or achieving an empire and maintaining it right like it's and even going to nerdier gears here like Robert Baratheon in Game of Thrones Mm -hmm. he was a great conqueror but not a great ruler and so if you have an empire and you have generations of rulers you're going to have different varying qualities of those leaders Mm -hmm. and it's just going to get uh, it's gonna be so beholden to that person to make sure the empires run well and you have to maintain your borders, you have to maintain a garrison, you have to maintain a standing army. The logistics of an empire is is daunting. Um, and so And just like in like in the movie Gladiator, it, it it seems like
0: oftentimes the maintenance of an empire is unfortunately left up to the politicians mm-hmm. and that ends up being a decay from right. within, yeah. which is what we see literally in Gladiator at the end of it. That's yeah. that's when we're supposed to believe Marcus Aurelius was sort of the last em- emperor yeah. who kept the Roman em- yeah. Empire strong. And then after that, we're, let, we're led to believe that it fell into decay. And you Yeah, know,
1: and they would have good emperors that would bring it back. They would kind of gut Got the opulence that they would get in tune with and then you have Mm -hmm. someone come around and they would bring it back down you know it was (laughs) just (laughs) and then you'd have the Praetorian Guard just like they were just assassins for hire almost they were supposed to be the emperor's guards but a lot of times they was they were just the ones that would kill him, you know so there was just yeah it's just it's it's human nature in in all things it never changes unfortunately it's, hopefully it cycles it will, but, I, yeah. I think
0: we are we are the same humans now that we were back then yeah we're alive at different times and different technologies but people i think human nature is the same yes so there is certainly a level of physicality that goes into what it is that you're doing. Yeah. Can you tell me about your training regimen? I mean, every every video you're out there ripped with your shirt off. What are you <laughs> doing aside from practicing these tenants? What are you doing to stay in such great shape?
1: I mean, it's, it's very brass tacks, simple stuff. I found something that I like. And so every morning I wake up super early because I have three kids and I have a wife and I have a job. Oh, so nice, man. it's like... If I, if I get up, it ha- if I want to work out, it has to be for everything else mm-hmm. in because I after the days after the kids are awake, that's where my life is now, right? So I wake up super early. Um, I'll do an hour to an hour and a half of moderate to high-intensity cardio. I do cycling, um, so I, I like to do sprint cycling, track cycling, things like that. And so I have a smart trainer in the garage hooked up, and I'll get on this software called Zwift, which is like a digital – virtual world and you can race against other people over the world super fun so i'll do that for so my heart's around 130 to 160 for like an hour an hour and a half then after that i'll go to the gym um and i do that for about 30 45 minutes the gym's the hardest thing for me i hate lifting weights it's really gosh it is the most boring i i i have to drag i i can do cardio for days but you have me go there and lift weights. I just struggle to get forty minutes in. That I'm, is yeah. fascinating. Yeah. Most
0: people, it's the entire yeah, opposite. Exactly. Most people are like I'll go lift weights, but I hate cardio. Yeah,
1: I'm very lucky in that way. So I'll do that, and then when I do my weights, I just kind of I do a lot of cardio, so I don't do like um, CrossFit stuff. Like I don't worry about my heart being elevated because I do a lot of that in the, in the in the in the in the trainer. Yeah. So I generally just do a like a, a pyramid up to like where i fail at a number eight and then i'll do three sets of eight at that number i only do one body part per day um i don't do like splits or anything so you what know, monday's chest tuesday's shoulders got you know, it and i do that and i don't do legs either what? because it's all because i do, why because i do the cycling it's like it's literally an hour and a half of straight leg work like that's
0: true but you've got your entire posterior chain your kinetic you lifting weights with your low body yeah is essential it it will change everything for you
1: well i i i understand but i i feel like i i enjoy i everything i do um i do with a functional functional application in mind Mm -hmm. so my legs i want them to be strong for a specific task Mm -hmm. and that's for cycling That's where my passion is. So I want those particular muscles to be dominant where they need to be. Sure. Um, For archery, let's say, for example, it's a very specifically tailored muscle, a very specifically tailored movement. So I want my body to do it. So everything that I do is not necessarily for the aesthetic physique. Necessarily, mm-hmm. um, that obviously just being dedicated and doing over time has a benefit of getting of getting that. And you've got great genetics. Yes, genetics yeah, are huge. A, few a hundred percent. Great genetics. Yeah, I was I was lucky. Picked the right parents. You know, <laughs> uh, you know. So that I was very fortunate there. There's no denying like the way that the body looks. Like, How tall are you? Five eleven. Okay, but I have like a super long torso and yeah. really short legs. So that gives like that look of leanness because I'm really stretched out. On the top, right? Yeah. So there's certain things that like if someone was built differently, they would look differently. So there's a lot of things that just you can't control. Um, But um, it's all it's all meant to try and fulfill a function. And so the weightlifting is done because I want to try and increase strength to do that. So if if you see if my, my back, I have a ton of development on the top of my back from pulling the bow. But my like the lower part of my back or this area, there's really not a lot there. Yeah. Like it's, it's very, it's not super developed and that's just cause I don't, I don't care to, it's not, yeah. you know, functional for what I, what I am trying to do.
0: Yeah. The so lo- the low back is what I was talking about earlier with the posterior chain. Oh, okay. You would I, get that from, and I would encourage, you know, you don't have to lift weights in a way that would be indicative of a power lifting or bodybuilding routine you could do. I mean, if you came to me and we were, if we lived in the same state and you right. were actually hanging around here, yeah. I could create a low body workout that revolved around uh, like honestly like strongman stuff right. like carries farmer walks right, right. like stuff where it's like this is much more functional of your everyday I mean if you get a I've got them in the back I've got uh, 100 125 and 150 pound sandbags
1: oh yeah yeah um, and what
0: we love to do I love doing just carries where right. you lap the bar you pick up the ball right. and then you walk mm-hmm. and, and that that will develop that whole area and your core like you wouldn't even believe
1: right right carries yeah.
0: are awesome for functionality okay that's my background too is i mean for me because i came from sports i came from athletics i i'm not a physique guy i'm no. not a bodybuilding coach yeah. I, to me like you aesthetics are second or third place and far as far as what's important
1: right right
0: how you feel how you function are right. probably number one and number two yeah if if you feel great, well, that's probably what's most important, right? Right. And if you can function, because with what you're doing, I mean, you're requiring just like a pitcher, a, a pitcher may right. you know avoid heavy overhead press, right? Because they need to have that big range of motion, right? Yours is similar. I mm-hmm. mean, for me, if I was, it's it's a lot of pull ups, it's a lot of rear delts. Right. Have you ever ran into any? injuries from what you're doing anything tweaks
1: the only thing um that that happens occasionally and so i did like um i did a shoot yesterday with someone and i was out there we were out there for five six hours mm-hmm. and i was using the 165 pound bow and so i i probably put like 50 60 70 shots through it and it's, like, a lot of weight. it's a ton of weight. And like you can tell the accuracy for me that because that, that's like the high limit right now. I'm, I'm working to the 175, 180. I've been doing that for a long time. It's so slow. Like I've been trying to get that for like a year and a half. Right. And I still can't. So it's just such a long, slow build. Yeah. But um, the thing that takes the most damage is actually the stabilizing arm, the oh. elbow and the neck and the shoulder, Gosh. because that has to stop from compressing in. Yeah, because the the when you pull back, the way it works is it's not just your bicep, right? You don't you push can't, and pull you simultaneously, can't pull so it's not like a push and pull necessarily. The best way to describe it is like doing a wide grip pull up. Okay, so you're going to be here, and the strength comes from your coming. You're pulling down like this, and that's activating all these the back lat. muscles yep. here. So it's this type of way here, and your back's really strong, but this arm and this connection joint is not as strong as your back. So in order to hold that, to stop it from coming in to your body uh-huh. or collapsing in, that's where so much of that strain comes in. Oh yeah,
0: mm-hmm. I would recommend. There's a company that I think would really because arm wrestlers run into that same type oh, of okay. anatomical yeah. weakness because you're talking about. I mean, a joint that is. I mean, this joint is weaker than this joint right. is weaker than this joint. Yeah. Arm Assassin is a company that makes arm wrestling specific cable attachments and pieces okay that are we i just did a video on one you like can you go to the uh, our instagram uh, i i do a lot of work with hands okay hands and feet to yeah. me are very underrated when it comes to training and functionality i agree I, yeah think of your hands and feet like okay perfect so that right there that's a that's a pinch block Straight bar curl. Okay. So that block, you have to grab with your hands and your fingers. Uh So it engages those joints in ways that you just don't get if you're grabbing a normal bar. Right.
1: That makes sense. Yeah.
0: So that company would actually be a really good one for you to contact and see if they want to work with you. Yeah. They could give you some of their little pieces. Uh And I think that would really help with those two joints that you're talking about. Yeah.
1: Now, that's great. That's good. Because, yeah, I I, sometimes if I'm in the garage, I'll do like training in the garage. I just have like a target a scene, setup, yeah, you know, Yeah. and I'll just have like a sleeve, you know, I'll put a sleeve on there, but if it's something that's more tailored for that, that would be, that'd be great. I'd love to do it just for the reps, you know, cause if I do a video, I probably won't do it. Cause it's like, I'm trying to go for like an ancient aesthetic, right? So to keep right. it low, low tech, but jeans, of course. Um. <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah. And, and I mean the wraps, the compression sleeves, all that stuff. I, my thought process around those is, Always train your way out of wearing them,
1: right? Okay, I get if, it.
0: If you're at a place where you're like this joint is hurting, yeah, I should wear this wrap while I train. I see. I don't do that. Okay, I I'm a. Get proactive with it. Figure out what's wrong with right. it. If you've got to go to a sports medicine clinic and have them work on it, right. maybe there's something simple like a pinched nerve or something going on. Yeah. But you'll never see me. I don't wear belts when I squat. Right. I don't wear wraps. If you're doing that, you're either not addressing an injury or you're lifting too much weight. Right,
1: right. Yeah. yeah simple I'm, as that. I'm, I'm almost 40. I don't ego lift anymore. So, no. you know, it's like, no.
0: no I'm, I'm 32 and I, I haven't been ego lifting. And, and it's, again, knock on knock on wood it's why i haven't experienced a lot of yeah reoccurring injuries Mm -hmm. i've never really since maybe even high school i've never ego lifted like where i'm looking at my numbers and i'm making, i want to hit this number on my squat that to me has never really held that much weight right i like you i like for me how i sort of test my functionality in the real world is hiking okay yeah for me that to me is such a The ability to run Mm -hmm. up a very, very difficult
1: mountain is
0: a, it's just a, it's a human thing we've been doing since our creation. Yeah. And I just, that to me is how I like to test myself and sort of see where I'm at. I've got a mountain right here in Scottsdale that I do every week. Okay. I'm going to go today. Okay. nice That's (laughs) awesome. Yeah. it's, It's good to have something outside of a gym. Yeah. The gym to me, and sometimes I think this surprises people, the gym to me is... Of course, quintessential, but to me, it's training for other activities.
1: Right, exactly. It's not my end-all, be-all, nor is
0: it for you. You like archery. You like all this other stuff you do. Yeah,
1: exactly. Yeah, it's a way to continue doing what you love better. Mm-hmm. Um but it's just it's it's for me it's a tough pill you know I I'll do it but I'm not happy about it. Well now that you're 40 you're yeah. going to be you're
0: going to be thankful that you've been doing it and that you continue to do it. Right
1: yeah exactly it's true because that slows the aging process having cuz you're going to lose you're going to lose muscle fibers as you age but you can bone keep, density Yes exactly so there's a lot of things that'll come into play soonish. I have the other shoe hasn't dropped yet. I still feel great. But you know Oh yeah. I, oh, know. oh oh
0: I I I'm of the opinion that if you do what you need to be doing and you do it safely mm-hmm. as far as training as yeah. far as diet the other shoe doesn't ever have to drop for you. Right. You never have to be an old man. Right, right. We I know people like that we know a guy. There's a his name's a Rudy Kudlub. He's one of the CEOs of Kabuki Strength. Have you ever heard of them?
1: No, I don't think I have.
0: They make he just said, I don't know if you saw his post that he sent to us. He just set his own personal PR. Let me let, let me let me show you this thing. Go actually go to his Instagram, Eli. You gotta see this guy, he's 74 years old. He's the CEO of Kabuki Strength. He's one of them, this is him. So he just set the first video right there, buddy. Yeah, so this is him. Watch him do this squat, first of all. He's 74 years old. And then I'm gonna, it'll say the numbers on what that weight is in the description below. But he, they tested his bone mineral density and they said that he has the bone mineral density wow. of like a 25-year-old.
1: That's amazing. He
0: did a, 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 a 480 pounds on that's a squat. Nuts. At 74. Yeah, that's amazing. How many of us go our entire lives can't do half of that? <laughs> I know. I Two know. That means 235 pounds, 340 pounds. Yeah. That's a big squat, 240
1: yeah. pounds. That was a deep squat too. He yeah? Was, yeah. Oh, he's and he's
0: clay, but he guys like him Mm -hmm. while they're doing things different than you and I and they're training in a different way. But he found strength training in his like late 50s, he wasn't even lifting. Yeah, but he's reversed aged himself in the back 20 years of his life. Right, he didn't have to become an old man. You can stay young if you put in the time. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, man, this is so cool. What else did you bring? I saw you brought a broadsword. I want to make sure we get to all these items. We did the sling
1: so this is just a standard hand and a half sword we use this i've done it a few chops we use it just recently on a ballistics dummy um i
0: had the chance to actually touch that blade when you were uh in the other oh yeah that is ridiculously sharp. yes no it's
1: a very good one um it's a it's a good balanced sword it's from cold steel so as far as quality of swords this is like middle tier i would say okay um and Is that a
0: company that makes? Because that's functional, yes? yes. That's an actual yes. functional. No, sword. yeah,
1: I've used it against a lot of stuff, and it's held up very well. Okay. It's very strong, and we did it because the ballistics dummies, when we just did, it, you know, the bone, it's it's a match to a person, right? Mm-hmm. So, like when you hit the head or the skull or the body, like it's it it impacts hard, and the blade has to be really strong. Like people are pretty resilient at the end of the day, and like yeah. the density of a skull is almost like you know like a cement. Yeah. and so it's gone through a ton of ton of damage. It's,
0: how how hard is it to cut someone's head off to behead well, someone?
1: That we did it just recently. The other guy did it. It's not so bad because the vertebrae is not. You know, there's gaps in the vertebrae yeah. and things like that. But to like cut someone's head, like to say in half, that would be that, ever, that. would be a feat. Did you ever see House
0: of the Dragon? You mentioned Game of Thrones. Yes, did you watch House yes, of the Dragon. I did. Yes, you know the scene I'm talking about. When Damon uh, – when when they're in the courtroom and uh, the brother –
1: Oh, um, yes. Yeah. He that, says yes. he's the bastard yes. and he
0: cuts in. he doesn't cut his head off. He cuts yes. his skull. Yes. Like right through the skull. Yeah.
1: And so we, we tried something like that and we came down through the top of it and it came down and it came to about right there and it stopped there <laughs> oh. in the skull. So we didn't get the full thing. But the, the other thing is that like I think that there's – it, it, it has to be so fast – and so, so, I mean, this is a morbid conversation. Tommy. sorry. <laughs> but if you came at the front of the skull, the front of the skull is thick, thick, right? Yeah. And so I feel like it would have to be an extremely fast swing, extremely sharp sword to be able to get... What's the
0: thinner part of it? The top,
1: what? Well, it's thinner on the sides. Thinner on the sides. So it's Got like it. when I did one video where I hit at one of the skulls with the arrow right, it was a perfect temple shot and it went through and through, just swoop, Just right through. Right there. through. But then when I flint to the front, I would get through and through in, and through the back mm-hmm. it would go through but it would stop because it would it would so much of that um, so much of that impact would be diffused by that initial impact in the front yeah so
0: I, it's fascinating I mean it, 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 it is it is very interesting I mean you got to figure that dummy would be dead no matter how you right no yeah, it. yeah so in a live combat situation right
1: it no, probably it, wouldn't matter but yeah. it, but
0: it is fascinating to really kind of scientifically dissect all of yeah this stuff. yeah
1: it's, it's it's a fun thing it's I mean just, we,
0: we love watching crash dummies and exactly, car accidents yeah. why wouldn't we want to see this it's
1: very human I don't know why but it is have
0: you ever considered going on like Mythbusters or anything like that
1: oh uh, they I think Mythbusters is done now are they really yeah they they finished many a long time ago how
0: that's news I guess yeah I guess Adam
1: Adam Savage has his own channel but they don't do mythbusters anymore. That was such a cool show. I know, that was I mean at its time that was amazing for sure. But yeah. I that's what I feel like I'm trying to do a little bit. It's entertainment and a little bit of like medieval mythbusting, I guess, right? Yeah. Just fun. I I kind of describe my channel as like the History Zack Snyder cut, where it's Ooh. just like it's just like history but a lot of like Quick cut, slow mo, dramatized—you know—it's like it's it's short form, right? It, there's a lot of great channels out there to do long, twenty, thirty-minute YouTube videos breaking it down. Yeah. But I just like to kind of show the action and the impact and like and the a history, little, yeah, a little bit of history, but just a lot of entertainment. That's too. what
0: I love most about your channel is that you'll do something and then you'll explain why you're doing it and who used to do it and where it comes from yes can i see that when you're done with it i've wanted to hold that thing since you first showed it it's
1: got some dummy goop on it from yesterday so this is um this would be a pretty close standard arrow size for a war bow so this is heavy this is probably about 1500 grains so uh, most arrows nowadays are about you know 500 grains so this is about yeah. triple the weight of a modern arrow that's how much the head of this weighs about as much as a modern arrow does it's a half inch shaft it's tapered down to the back so it tapers down to about a quarter inch did you make this yeah bro this
0: is really impressive oh thank you you strung it yourself and everything yeah
1: yeah so to wow. to, to buy those to buy those if you buy it from a professional they're like 80 bucks a pop it's Easily. insane so i do you want to see this I just kind of ended up just figuring out how to make them to the best of my ability. They're not as good as professional arrow makers, but they'll do it.
0: It's got some weight to
1: it. Oh, no, it's it's it, massive. It, and that's so, almost
0: a small spear.
1: Yeah, that's basically it. So that's why you need such a heavy bow, and that's why it was so deadly is because of the impact force as well. So I was going to say that would knock you off your feet like a 44 caliber round. It would hit hard. Yeah, it would. The impact is is dramatic. So the the is there a way to
0: test the impact on any of your dummies? Like, no,
1: I mean, I know how many because I know this is about 1500 grains. I when I shoot it out of the 165, it's about 200 feet per second. So that's about like 147 joules of impact. And I think that most modern bows around 100 joules of impact somewhere around there. (laughs) So. It's got way, way more mass to hit that. And so this is called a bodkin tip. This is what was used for punching through chain mail and um, the, the armor, whether, you know, there's, we the depending on the quality of the armor, if it was well-made plate armor, it's not getting through that. I've done a lot of tests with, um, you know, the great helm and things and it'll punch into it, uh-huh. but it's not going to go through the armor, the gambeson and the chainmail underneath it so it's not gonna, gonna knock that. the guy's wind out though that's it, it'll sure. it'll give you pause but that's the big thing is it's a volume game so if you look at let's say let's go back to Core, 6,000 archers yeah. right they could lose 10 to 12 a minute so in any period of time the flight time when I do like time the 45 degree arc it's like six or seven seconds sometimes so it's in the air for a in while the air, yeah before it hits yeah so you could theoretically have two sets of arrows in the air at a time so that's 18,000 arrow. I mean sorry that's 12,000 arrows in the air And so if they're coming in as a cloud, what you're going to find is it's going to hit a gap in the armor or it's going to hit the horse. Because the horses, you know, they'd have a catch, but it's hard to cover all of it. The horses were considered, they call it soft targets. So you had hard targets and soft targets. Right. So what's going to happen is a knight's, deadliness is weight plus mobility, it's the armor plus the mobility without a horse, they're extremely slow moving and they lose like something like, I think I said 60% of their efficiency or 70, someone someone broke it down once, mm-hmm. um, and so if you have a charging army and you knock down two or three horses the, the way the knights charged was shoulder to shoulder, because that's what made it good, a sloppy charge was spaced out, mm-hmm. right, you need to be shoulder to shoulder, knee to knee and that's how they would look at it mm-hmm. So when a charge like that happens, and you have that, you have those arrows fall, and let's say they get fifty horses that panic or fall or trip, that's going to cause chaos in the lines. Mm-hmm. That's going to cause knights to fly off. That's going to cause huge disruption. Horses to run, or right? Jump, or... and so each horse that falls or jumps or runs is going to get. Trip up the horse and behind it, gonna mm-hmm. kind of call. It's just like a traffic jam, right? Yeah. So that's where that big thing was, because these, for all their power and their mass, if it was like a a well made, like a, say, like a, they say, like a Milanese plate. That's where the best plate came out of. It's not gonna go through it. You got hardened steel, but if there there's only so many parts you can cover, you still need joints. And if there's twelve thousand coming in a, in a short volume of time continuously, yeah. it's gonna find something most likely. Yeah.
0: If you think about it from the perspective of the archers, who, as I'm still on that topic, you said where they could fire two flights of arrows before the first flight. Well, no, probably.
1: Land. I think no. I think it'd be they'd it'd be two sets in the air. So to to get the load and shoot, so one and then bump 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 two. So you could probably have two in the air at a time. Yeah, but three would be a bit. I think that'd be too much. I think that'd two, be too so, fast. Even two two yeah. flights
0: of two flights of arrows in the air. Would they have to account for the fact that perhaps the target has moved slightly
1: closer? I mean, in it, you, you got to think about if there's a if there's a row of let's say five or ten thousand knights. It's going to be pretty deep. And you're, how many men were at
0: the Battle of Agincourt? You know?
1: um, between I don't know, the, I don't remember the exact. I think it was like twenty thousand for the French, something like that. It was, I was, they had about a number. There's six thousand archers for the English, and I, I forget how many infantrymen. And then I think the French had like twenty thousand or something. It's, it may be wrong. I'm not one hundred percent a lot of Um, people but either way like the volume and mass of people is is so much so that even if you're a little long or a little short like a little if you're if they're moving and you go a little long there's a row behind them and a row right you're gonna find like volume and that thing is like they say you know most archers probably couldn't hit a target from like 250 yards but they could hit an army right Right. it's not that hard so you're just at that point and even the war bows especially being so heavy they weren't for pinpoint shots. Mm. So when I'm shooting this thing, if I'm doing a 20, 30 yard shot, like I can hit most of the time in where I want to, but I can't aim with it in a traditional sense because there's so much stress that you have to have it lined up before you go. And then you got to let go. Cause Basically, you can't hold, you can't it, hold for, it. Yeah. And not hold it. And so,
0: unre- how, because you see that in movies a lot
1: too. The, how realistic was the hold? No, you know, where no, they no, draw no, hold would, and wait. no, So generally it's, it's, um, it's knock, draw loose or, and then once that would usually go through, then they were kind of free, mm. but it was just like, it was, it, there was ranged and then they would kind of go at their pace. A lot of times they would fire it at will, but yeah. the whole idea of holding, it makes no sense because you're just fatiguing it. And mm. suppo- as well, the longer you hold a bow, the less um, reflexive, like recurve, it has to come back. Like it's it's fresher if it's a, a quicker release, more like a mm, snap, better for the bow. Yeah, better for the bow, yeah. and it I can add a little bit more distance and speed as well. So you don't want to hold a bow,
0: right? And you're shooting almost off of if you're doing it that quickly. It seems like you're not really even aiming. No,
1: you're... it's just called instinct shooting. So instinct shooting. You, you yeah. literally you look at the target, you don't line it up, right? I I I know where my anchor point is. Um, and then it's just looking at a target, and then you just let go. So you really don't go down the sights. You see, yeah. you know, most of the Olympic archery, it's like here, right? And then they take their time. They and they've look, got a sight, and they, they yeah. go and they let go. And that's like a true aim. But this mm-hmm. is just like I don't close an eye. Both eyes are open, and you just are looking where you want it to go.
0: Because you're, it's right. It's all about volume. You're just trying to get arrows yeah. downrange, yeah. mm-hmm. and you're shooting in a line of five thousand other right, people. Right. So whatever it is, someone's going to hit the target. Right. Such it's awesome stuff, bro. You brought an ax too. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Last, last and most fascinating one. I was most excited for this. Oh, you use, is this a hatchet or it's, what? It's,
1: it's a Frankish ax is what it's called. A Frank-ish axe, and okay. It's Frankish ax. Okay. Good throwing ax. Um, and so I like it for throwing because I feel like I like that. It's got that, tip point right there okay because so that way you can hit it here or in this point and it adds it sticks in very well and it's got really good rotational energy because it's a really big meaty head yeah um and so it makes it easier to get that to where you want it to go and so for this yeah you see it Uh,
0: oh wow oh it does have some counterweights yeah that's Mm. got a heck of a okay i see and so this that was also going to be my question People did throw axes in warfare.
1: I mean, I'm sure maybe, but I would not. I would rather hold it. <laughs> hold it. Right? I think it's fun because it's an extension of just something fun. But the thing with an axe too, it's like it's 100 reusable by the other side. You throw an axe and they're going to throw it back, right? Yeah. It just it's it's on its face like even spears, right? You throw a spear. That's why I like the Roman um, uh, Pelum. Pelum. I, I have trouble saying that one, but yeah. they had that long that long speared shaft with like the lead part in it so it would stick in a shield and bend right mm. so it wasn't reusable again um the spears if you throw them an enemy they can pick it up and throw it back so the romans right. figured out a way to basically make it so once it was thrown it was useless to them a one-off it's a one-off and ones, it would yeah. waste their shield because you what you it the, it would bend in and the shield was not you couldn't wield it anymore because it had this big spear yeah, sticking of it yeah exactly yeah. And so an axe is in that same vein, but even worse because to get a kill shot with an axe is really hard rotationally um, because you got to figure, like, you can be a great axe thrower, but you still need your distances. Like, I know for me to throw it, like, it's 13 feet for two rotations to get it, and then it's 20 feet steps for three rotations to get it, right? Like, to try and, like, gauge that as someone's running or moving towards you and get the right amount of spins... It's just it, – there's I, I don't see that working. Almost like, impossible. A, a spear is like, okay, I'm going to throw it straight, right? I got an idea where you are, and I'm going to come back, and I'm going to throw it at you. And it makes sense. But this, like, it's a valuable thing, and I, I don't see why you would try to throw it.
0: When anybody – anyone who has been to any of those axe-throwing places, those yeah. little date night places, mm-hmm. you get to the line – let's say you do actually manage to hit the target. Yeah. Take one step backwards. Now right. try it again. Right. Now the axe doesn't work the same. Right. Now you're like, whoa, it just bounced off.
1: Right, exactly. Now, so.
0: now think about it in terms of I'm probably moving, my target is moving, yeah. it's running at me, the mm-hmm. distance is changing. It's almost impractical to throw
1: it. I mean, it would, and it could hurt someone. Like even if it was wrong and it hit you in the sternum, it would take the wind out of you. But there's way better things. I would rather throw a rock. Yeah. You know, literally, I'd rather throw a rock than an axe because yeah. you can find it, throw it, and then just, you know.
0: Yeah. No, it's, it's awesome, dude. I I love what it is you're doing. I love the education around it. It's just something that I don't think unless, unless someone finds your page or directly seeks out this kind of information, nobody really thinks about it because it's sort of just lost on us today.
1: Right. Yeah. No, I, I think so too. And I think that's, that's where that passion comes. I mean, the, the good thing is I, I think that because of this, I found like this niche part of the internet that enjoys it as yeah. well. Right. And that's made it very fun to me to share that with with people who share the same passion and everything. But I, I do think it's, it's one of those things that just gets lost a lot of times. And the kind of the, the reverence for where we came from, the skills that we had, like those things, you know, it's, it's very cool. And there's even guys that, that take it further and they make Flint, Flint knives, Flint arrows. That's very cool to me as well. You know, taking rock city and breaking it yeah. on that little thing to make something that's a functional weapon. It's, it's just, it's, it's a long, 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 road to where we got to Mm -hmm. and it's fun to look back on what we used to be and how we used to act and if those things and what it would take to master those things Mm
0: -hmm. and it was i mean those tools we bring in here and they're cool and we use them and it's part of your hobby but that was the tool of somebody who dedicated their entire life right. from the time they could right. walk. Mm-hmm. That was the modern day yeah. iPhone. Yeah. That was yeah. what people used to live or die with, right. literally. Mm-hmm. And so it is really cool to see uh, keeping that alive, making sure people who want to know about it can have somewhere to go. Yeah. And if they want to see your page, by the way, where where, where do they go?
1: Uh, so um, Instagram is garnishing gains. Um, I have a YouTube as well. It's dash rendar. Yeah. Um. As well, and then uh, a TikTok too that I, I do, and yeah. that's garnishing so
0: Cool name, by the way, man. Garnishing games. Where did you come up with that?
1: That, that was it's so funny because I actually started off with like a TikTok channel like two years ago or something, a year and a half ago. Yeah. And I lost a lot of weight. The guy wasn't always lean. Like five years ago, I was six years ago. I was a lot heavier. Really? Yeah. 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 And so. Um, I, I really worked hard to get down to where I was. And in doing that, I got really creative with cooking very good, healthy, low calorie meals. Like, mm. I, I was very creative with it. And my wife liked it too. And I could figure out how to stretch a calorie really far yeah. and feel full. And she's like, hey, you should make some videos about your cooking. And I was like, yeah, sure. So the first two videos I did were like cooking videos. Yeah. And so it was like garnish, like the, the cooking, garnishing. Oh, veins, okay. Right? Okay. I get it. Yeah. And then I did like one video where I was doing something with the bow. Um, just as, 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 a, as a lark, cause I didn't, you know, I always did it on my own. And then that was like what people were, what they, what they resonated with. Yeah. And I was like, wow, this is awesome. And so then I just went into that direction and started like, this is all stuff that I do, but it's just something that I can share with people now that enjoy it. And it makes it a lot more fun because you get people who, you know, who can enjoy right. that aspect of, of, you know, humanity with you.
0: It's a lot of fun. And yep. it's a great page. You've done an awesome job with it, bro.
1: Thank you. Thank you.
0: Well, like that, guys, we'll probably call it there. Dash, thanks for coming on, man. That I'm was happy. a lot of fun. Very yeah. fun conversation. So cool. All right, buddy. We'll stop it right there. Perfect. You right. ready the for the intro. Uh, intro? Yeah, let's do it. All right. there we go. Ready for me? what's up guys welcome to this episode of becoming the one percent podcast my guest today is dash render he is a medieval weapons specialist if you see his page you will get a crash course education on everything historical with the bow with the axe with the sword with the sling it is such a cool topic we get into the history of all those weapons how they were used where they came from hope you guys enjoy this one have fun